and welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. You are watching live, if you're watching live, that is today, 29th of July, 2015. Uh, if this is the first you've heard of it and you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, check us out on YouTube, uh, join us, subscribe, do all of those good things. Uh, we have our usual live chat room where we've got nice, a fulsome chat room, I don't mind saying. So there we have them. I've also got our sponsors, Isotope, who will be announcing A, the winner of last week's giveaway for Trash 2 and also giving another copy away. So if you stay tuned for that, you'll be able to see what's going on. But uh, we're going to go to our guests now. I'm going to start in reverse order. Um, start with uh, Gaz, who's there in Bristol. Gaz Williams, of course, professional bass player, music producer, technologist, those things. Been very busy, I understand it, Gaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots and lots of projects on the go, So, which is great. Um, not an awful lot of time for anything else, though. <laughs> well, thank you for making time for us. It's appreciated. I'm sure you probably a bit of a bit of free form gassing. You know, always always good for the soul. I feel. Anyway, oh, yeah. guys, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, also, we have Mr. Mark Tinley over there in uh, Glastonbury, uh, where Mark is a sound artist, creative thinker, and a guitarist by the looks of things, and man of many hats. Oh, one of these things now as well. What the heck is that? It's called Le Strum. It's a bit like a style stylophone, but like a stylophone. It's like a cross between a stylophone and an omnicord, and I would play it to you, but it's refusing to accept. <laughs> the MIDI's not getting in for some reason. Oh, okay. I know. Oh God. Yeah, of course. Okay. Oh. All right. Well, uh, thank but you. Anyway, yeah, new purchase. Very cool toy, actually. Very cool. They're nice. on eBay. Okay, I'll check that out. Thank you very much, Mark. And, of course, we have Mr. David Spears, as his mother would call him, uh, GeForce Software, there in the GeForce Synth Cave, where he holds... He's probably responsible for the uh, the meteoric price hike in analog synthesizers because he basically owns all of them. It's like um, somebody who's stockpiling gold. He's stockpiling vintage electronics. How are you, Dave? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. Good. It's not cool. Not quite. Actually, yeah, no, I'll go along with that. That sounds good. You haven't got quite everything. Oh, something's happening in the background there. And, of course, uh, we also have Mr. Corey Banks, B-Boy Tech Report. Corey, it's been such a long time since we've had you on. It's so great to see you. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be here. What's up, everybody? Ah, lots of things are up. Uh, first of all, Corey, you've been working on the site. I noticed uh, if, you, if you haven't checked out B-Boy Tech Report, I'll just flip a little bit of uh, web action there. Corey's uh, got a yep. rather handsome new look. And looks like you're selling stuff as well. Be, be Bream yeah. Volume One, nice. Oh yeah, yeah. The um, the Bream Project. It's a it's an acronym, like uh, Wu Tang's Cream Beats Rule Everything Around Me. Ah, um, okay. What? It, yeah, it's a it's a cool compilation of a lot of beat makers, a lot of guys from UK. I, I think there's one guy from China, maybe, and a lot of guys from the US. So we just kind of all got together, and, and it was just a compilation of dope beat makers that I've come across, and um, it's doing pretty well. So, so is that like I'll a comp do compilation one album, right? Compilation. It is. It's ah. a compilation album. Oh, yeah. well, that's that's interesting. That might take us on to a little bit of extra. Anyway, for those of you who don't know, B-Boy Tech Report is... How would you describe B-Boy Tech Report? I'll let you do it, because I always flounder. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's, um, it's a beat makers kind of lifestyle website. So it's, uh, I guess I kind of review things and look at the, the music tech world from a beat maker and hip hop perspective. So some people have started to call it beat tech as in music tech. But ah. yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah. My God, you're full of you're full of good sales buzzwords there, mate. I'm I'm imagining that you're <laughs> you're fending off the sponsors 
daily. You must have to be on the phone constantly. <laughs> well, you know, I'm working towards it. <laughs> it could always be better. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it. Anyway, thank you very yeah, much no for doubt. joining us too, uh, Corey. And, um, well, let's get straight into it. Uh, what do I have? I think I have a video to play the first one. So let's check this out. Whether you make music, videos, or podcasts, there's a single point of frustration when it comes to capturing great sound. This. So we made this. Say hello to MicMe, the world's first wireless recording microphone. No wires, computer, or confusion needed. Just press a button and start recording sound in studio-grade quality. Musicians Lordy. capture their ideas during a moment of inspiration. Podcasters can rely on hassle-free sound, no matter where they are. I'll stop there. I mean, for all of the sort of simplification of that in terms of technology, actually, this looks pretty cool. It's a self-contained audio recorder. You know, yeah, we've seen a lot of those before, but this has got a one-inch diaphragm condenser capsule in it. And it also, it records to its internal sound uh, uh, storage and then beams the, the audio to uh, an iOS device or a Bluetooth device so you can carry on editing, you can get straight on it. I think, though I can't find confirmation, that it actually will work in real time as well, so you can use it like a remote mic. Now, this thing kind of has potentially quite a lot of interesting uh, possibilities. I don't know. Uh, Gaz, you're probably recording live sources more than most of us on a regular basis. What do you make of it? Yeah, I'm, I, well, I'm intrigued about it. Um, I think it looks it looks brilliant. I mean, it's a really nice form factor, and uh, the sound clips sound pretty good. Um, I'm confused as to how you bring it into your own apps for editing, though. I, that because that poses an interesting um, sandboxing I, issue. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm intrigued about that. So that's something that I would need to see. Um, how you know what software is going to support it because you know if, if especially with to ios devices because as we all know it's really difficult to kind of get audio files into those units well certainly to import external audio in so i'm not quite sure how they do that um so i don't know if anyone else is wise to i don't have that, that information directly to hand but i'm wondering what i mean obviously there's going to be some latency it's a mono recording source so it doesn't give you the kind of whole stereo thing i know um mark you're a big fan of binaural and sort of a real sound recording does this does this what 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 advantage or not do you think this was had over something like say the zoom h4 or, or any of those kind of types of things uh, the bit of brass in the middle, I guess. I mean, I I am a big fan of those big gold or brassy or whatever the hell it is that they make them out of, those thin film kind of uh, one-inch diaphragm mics. So if it had a... I mean, there's some really good-sounding ones and there's some really crappy-sounding ones. So, so if it has a, a unique kind of sonic footprint and it sounds nice and, and I want to record with it, I suppose it doesn't matter so much how I have to get it into my other gear. It's the the sound of it and the noise floor are the most important things to me. Well, in the um, audio examples, they sounded pretty good. You know, they had a nice clarity. I mean, it's hard to tell exactly, but yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know what processing people have put on it, though, do you? No, that's I mean, true. I, 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 you know, by the same token, I can take any microphone and make it sound like another one, and it sounds... Uh, by by using mic modeler or by using a, a match eq process or whatever i can i can i can make it sound like it but can i make it 
feel like it and if it so if it sounds and feels like a, a large gold diaphragm microphone then i'd be i'd be interested and impressed in it I mean, I've, um i've done lots of experiments with this with match eq where i've taken all sorts of different microphones matched them to each other and then done kind of a b testing and tried to work out which one i liked the sound of the most and although on face value the when i match a microphone to another microphone and i listen to the two it's almost indistinguishable in terms of the sound there's something about the feel of a recording that's done originally with a really expensive microphone that's just different and i and it maybe maybe it has sound which is outside my um uh um uh, conscious perception of hearing but my body feels it somehow or something um so maybe uh, the performance it, is is different sounds, yeah it's not um, yeah i suppose it could be that the sure. dynamics might be different maybe but yeah i suppose so i know Corey, I want, sorry, sorry I mark yeah sorry you, I you need need, to hear yeah it. i think that's fair enough uh it looks like it's going to be about 199 bucks you know, the Kickstarter campaign. In fact, they've got, well, it's an Indiegogo campaign, yet another one. They actually raised 307,000 US dollars. So there's obviously a desire for it. You got a, you got a hankering, Corey? Yeah, actually, I think I might want to check it out. I mean, um, lately I've been experimenting with, um, I've got them right over here, the, the iRig Mic Studio and the Apple G1, um, just recording directly into the iPad and just being away from the uh, studio and kind of, getting some good recordings or getting some pretty decent recordings from what I can see. Now, <clears throat> I'm actually pretty si pretty surprised that uh, a lot of these mics, and I don't know how that one will be as a Bluetooth mic, um, but I'm pretty surprised at some of them because they, they, they get some pretty good uh, audio quality, um, especially for a project studio. I mean, but I've been in million-dollar studios where, guy, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that guys are like, no, I don't want to use that. I want to use the one that I'm used to, whatever they bring in. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in it, but I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I see that replacing any really good quality studio microphone. I mean, it, it could um, bridge the gap for traveling or if you're just kind of uh, doing some, some mobile kind of recording and stuff for you know, maybe if you just want a simple setup, but it's probably perfect for podcasting, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think that what they picture for it just sits on the table. If I bring the website up here, sits on the table. It's got a mode where what you do is you plug in, uh, you, you press and hold the button and gives you and sing for a few seconds or make your sound source and it sort of auto gains it and makes it kind mm -hmm. of uh, do its thing. But I, and I'm sure there are probably ways that I think there are ways of uh, tinkering with the sound afterwards. I think the app allows you to do other stuff too. But uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is, is, you know, they're pitching it as to just simplify it all, which is not a bad thing. Um, do you think, Dave, or do you think we need some complexity? Let's have a bit more complexity, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, I quite like this. I do um, Instagram video clips, like, every day, so I'll be noodling around. <laughs> and, be like, and I'll put them up on the GeForce Instagram page. And they're just, you know, those 14-second bit of fun. But the audio quality on my iPhone drives me insane. So I can have some amazing texture that I've built up, and I think, oh, just give everybody a little snippet of that. Yeah, and of course, by the time I up it to Instagram, it's like, oh, that sounds horrible. So I've always been <laughs> kind of like, you know, something really simple. I could sit right by the speaker or something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, oh. one one of the things you can do, and this is something we discovered, is um, if you get one of those leads, which is like a three 
a three-pole stereo, which has got usually got um, component video and left and right audio, and you plug that into your phone and you stick maybe like a pad in it and then a decent mic. I mean, I know this is getting a little bit complicated, but you can get pretty good sounding quality video into your iPhone or certainly into your um, Android device. Mark, you yeah, said... So you like put, the idea of I'm pushing just, that part. Hold on a sec. Sorry. I'm going to disagree no. with you about the iPhone microphone because I think the iPhone microphone's really good. Oh. And um, when I was playing around with those match EQ things, one of the mics that I was testing against the other ones was the iPhone mic. And I think it's got to be the encoding process, whatever encoding process you're going through when it uploads it that messes the sound up more than anything else. Because I've got really, really good results with my iPhone mic. Is that with close miking or, or far miking, though? Uh, yeah, not more than a metre, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's the difference, because obviously where you've got your video source, if you're pointing at, I guess, Dave, if you're, you're not necessarily pointing it at the speaker. Maybe what I you need, know. what you, synth or something. Yeah, but what oh, you need, what so what you need is a remote speaker that you can bring to where the video is and point the speaker at the synth. <laughs> so don't, think about it the other way round. <laughs> um, have you? Well, you can know you what get that Hold on, well, who's who's that? Gaz. Oh, yeah, can you get the website up? Because there's a necklace. It's the most peculiar a thing what? I've ever seen for a, a pro audio device. If you scroll right down to the bottom of the Indiegogo page, right. there's some. All sorts of stands, including this kind of weird sci-fi necklace. I think you go right down, right down, right down. Uh, sci-fi, that one? Yeah, and find, if you go down, there's a picture of a woman wearing it a little bit lower down. Keep going. Down, down, down. Down, okay, down, down. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most peculiar thing. Oh, and it's $600. Oh, there we go. There it is. Wow. And it comes with the crown. And that weird necklace—it's a peculiar thing. That is a bit curious. Yes, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. A good spot there. This is an incredibly long um, uh, project page. <laughs> darling, darling, that, I got you this for Christmas. That's what do you think? How do you think that'll go down well, Cory? <laughs> what do you think? Will your other half uh, appreciate something like this? She can record ah, all the arguments know. you have after you give yeah. it to her. <laughs> like this, this, this is not gold plated. There's no diamond in the middle or nothing. <laughs> It's not going to work for me. <laughs> ah, here we go. It's uh, We've got a bit closer up. It's got a, U, a, a USB connection for recording and charging. So I'm guessing you can use it as a remote, not a remote, but as a, a mic directly in. Uh, headphone out, connect to DSLR, uh, power battery indicator, all of those things. Uh, and, oh yeah, capsule is one inch gold-plated true condenser, cardioid, 20 to 20. Uh, signal to noise is 78. That's not... I don't know if that's... Is that good? That doesn't sound very good. Uh, usually good... I mean, for a mic, it might be good, I suppose. I don't know what it is in terms of... But for lines and mic amps, you want sort of 90, 95, 98, don't you? I would have thought something along those lines. So I don't know what the noise floor is going to be like. It'll last I, four hours, apparently. What I notice about these necklaces is that only one person in the world has one. So they were, that was a perk... Mm. And they were selling five of them, and only one person's claimed it. So there's one person out there, one unique person with a, with the necklace. That's it. That music technology bling. I like the sound of that. Anyway, um, if... just about the about the signal to noise. Uh, I'm just checking out a, a, a Neumann U87. Uh, it's saying signal to noise is between 68, 71, 69. I'm not sure oh, why. Right. Okay. Or, or up to. <laughs> 
79, I don't know why the three... Uh, oh, that might, oh, I see, for omnidirectional cardioid or figure eight, they've got different noise uh, Oh, so signals. it's comparable then? Hmm. Oh, that's good. I take it all back. I am deeply sorry that I may have cast, <laughs> as, cast aspersions on your microphone necklace there. Um, <laughs> I think that the whole thing's finished. Uh, I think they're looking to launch, uh, it says here, January 2016, which I'm guessing is going to be now, and they're going to be wanting to make that uh, big thing. So... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess... Test, that, sorry. Can we get them to send us a whole load of them and we'll test them? We could all use them for the podcast. We could do a sonic test, yeah, and use them for the podcast. Yeah, Absolutely. how about that? I'll get my business development officer onto it. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, what's next? Ah, yeah. That's this one. More modular business. This is the Owl Modular, based on a pedal design that's basically, it allows you to, this one's got USB, I think the pedal has MIDI, but allows you to fire in various uh, C code snippets and get it to do whatever you want. But this one's got a lot of extra CV control, so you can do other things with it. Not sure about the examples exactly what's going on here, but I think this is going to be coming available quite soon. I think I'll stop that before uh, people say, what a load of rubbish. Now, I have heard some other DSP uh, algorithms which uh, seem to be a little more interesting. Uh, there's some reverbs. There's all sorts of other stuff. And this, again, goes along. I mean, because we're starting to see this happen. Um, certainly, well, if you take the Roland uh, EFX d uh, modules, the Demoras, they're effectively a similar kind of concept, but much more locked down. So you can con change configuration. You can't completely reprogram them. I know. How's the uh, how's all that world? You know, because you you've been tinkering with modular and synthesis. I mean, you're trying to educate your readers into into bigging it up. Is it is it starting to kick off big time in the um, hip hop and R and B community in the same way as it is everywhere else? There's definitely a lot of curiosity around it. Um, but, you, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, that, that are into it, but maybe don't quite understand how to start building their own modular rig. Uh, so it's cool to kind of see, you know, rolling the, the, the System 1M as kind of almost like a starter kit type of <laughs> modular yeah. and, and, and then the other rolling effects and stuff like that. But I know a lot of people are kind of expressing interest in um, systems, right? So you don't have, so they don't have to kind of think about, but they could still kind of have the modular thing going on. But I like this this little owl thing. I heard some of the some of the demo. I listened to that video all the whole way through. So when they get into the delay and stuff, I'm a delay fool. So some of it's pretty cool. It, it seems pretty cool to be able to have some. Um, open source stuff where people can develop stuff and then a, a forum or some sort of group or place where everybody's uploading presets and you can kind of share and download. So that's kind of cool. It's yeah, dope. it's one of those concepts that, you know, I've noticed in various comments, I think uh, Synthetopia posted something about it and people are going, yeah, it's such a great, you know, this notion of being able to create programmable uh, effects or programmable modules is something that makes a lot of sense. But in in actuality, a lot of people tend to go for single module per function type of stuff. So it's, it's, it, 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 it's sort of pushing the idea against what seems to be just a general sense of resistance. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Are you... Uh, I know your, you know, your all more module stuff is sort of larger format electronics. Oh, I just got loud. Who was that? Who was that? That's Corey. Corey. It's coming back out of your speakers. No, it's not. No. Who's that? Mark. 
Oh, no, no, it's not me. I'm, okay. I'm muted. We'll just hold it. Dave, if you could just answer that question and pretend <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> Wasn't me. Uh, what was the question again? Sorry. Ah, oh, you swine. I can't remember now. I've just... Uh, well, it was just, something about large format. Large format. Well, and the, the notion of this sort of programmable aspect. I mean, it, it, on paper, it looks like a really cool idea, I guess, if you've got the time, right? Uh, yeah, makes sense. It's something... Yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be ruining anything if I said it's something that we thought about for a while. It just makes sense to have a kind of USB programmable... A DSP piece of kit that's programmed using C++ in order to turn it into other things. I guess from your point of view, it'd be great just to squirt the Imposca filter or the, you know, the Oddity, Odyssey filter, Oddity filter, or whatever it may be into those sort of type of arrangements. Or yeah, I... it was funny. When you announced about the Roland thing, it was like, whoa, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, but that's probably never going to happen because we're really busy. I thought it was neat. Uh, I'm not sure about open source. I'm very... Uh, I have kind of I'm completely schizophrenic on the subjects sometimes I like looking at the video it seemed that they kind of did the QA before they uh, properly compiled it and released it which is obviously a good idea sometimes open source has a habit of turning into a nightmare from uh, all sorts of contamination issues uh, I quite liked I liked the fact that one of them was called his surname was Clang which <laughs> I thought was pretty cool and Very then I looked at the address yeah, and then I looked at the email address, and it was called, and it was something like Hoxton Now, and I was like, uh, yeah, because it's quite hipsterish, isn't it? But I did like the surname Clang, and I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, but they're in Hoxton, aren't they? Someone's got to live there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, well, Mark. They're probably yeah, yeah. Does this sort of thing um, appeal to you? Because, I mean, you're a tinkerer, right? I mean, you, you've a got a history of uh, of uh, circuit bending. I mean, does this sort of thing? kind of float well uh yes and no um do you know what i've discovered recently no that thing that thing up there the guitar guitar i've discovered that i'm a guitarist and i'd forgotten that i was a guitarist i played it for about four or five years and then somebody gave me a synthesizer when i was about 20 and for the last 32 years the guitar's been kind of leaning against various walls in my studio and i've kind of gone like oh hang on a minute oh yeah the guitar that's quite cool um, I've made another discovery as well. I, uh, I installed a fresh version of Yosemite on my Mac, and then I noticed that it has this program with it called GarageBand, and I thought, oh, what does that do? I mean, obviously, I've seen it before in the past. Uh, loaded it up, started playing the guitar through it, and I'm like, wow, the guitar amps in there are awesome, and the drumming, there's a, there's a new drummer in the latest yeah. version of GarageBand, which is awesome. And actually, if I just load GarageBand up and let it throw up a, a, a drum beat and I start playing, suddenly I'm making music. I love this thing, and if I buy one and I sit down in front of it, I'm going to start trying to learn C++, and I'll be doing that for the next two years. <laughs> and, you, know, you say, are you a musician? Well, and so my answer to that is always, I, I go, well, yeah, sort of. And then people go, well, what do you play? And I go... Well, I mean, I don't really. I kind of like I type numbers into a computer and make music with computers, and they go, oh, that's really cool, um, which it is. But they're two different things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and, that's and true. And I think if you bring those two worlds together, one of them either enhances the other one or detracts from it. And the simplicity of GarageBand at the moment for me is looking at that, I notice that that enhances my world of being a musician. 
So if this was implemented in a simple way, which meant that I could grab a box, turn knobs around, stamp on things, and interesting things would happen, or if maybe like the Raspberry Pi, I could just stick another SD card in it, and then it would do something else. So I bought one thing that had multiple functionality, which is why I bought an Atari ST in the first place, because I was like, oh, I could make my record covers on that, and oh, I can like type letters to my mum, and I can like do all my sequencing, and oh, isn't this good? It's a money-saving device, right? Yeah. So if it had that kind of functionality, I'm like, oh, I've got, st- and maybe I have two stomp boxes, and I just plug different SD cards in to make them do different things. Yeah, maybe that's... If, if, if I don't have to do anything clever with it, and I just get to play, and I get to make weird sound, then I'd love it. Uh, if it's complicated to program then i'm not so sure so Mm. so um that's where i'd like to see uh, and then i followed a link to this uh music hack space which is on their right website so these guys met together the owl team met at london music hack space i clicked on that to find out what that was and that looks really like my cup of tea but it's not my i'm a guitarist cup of tea that's why i I like soldering things and doing weird stuff it's two different worlds, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. yeah. It's how they marry those worlds Oops. that is gonna decide I think that's whether a very or not it's successful. I know, Gaz, you're you're you know, you you're a fan of pedals. Yeah, I am. I've been checking out the owl pedal. Now assume, I'm assuming I think that the, the same uh, sort of technology in 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 both, yeah. So they'll be able to run the same code, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, I would imagine so. I'm just having a look at the patches list on the hoxtonowl.com website and there is loads so that's quite that bodes quite well doesn't it you know sort of that that i mean gosh yeah i'm looking yeah there's lots and lots and lots um oh yeah yeah so that's you know so that that's quite that makes it quite an interesting thing you know because these ideas they are they're really you know they stand and fall by just how well supported they are and just um uh but the open source idea of it is really cool in that Essentially, it could last, you know. I suppose so. It's, it's, it's a question, but I, I think, as Mark says, it's a question of how he, you know, if there was a way of creating patches that didn't involve learning how to code in C, then you, yeah. you might stand a better. Well, yeah. uh, but, but, but looking at this library, there's a deep, you know, there's a massive selection. So certainly, um, you know, uh, the, gosh, I'm just looking through it thinking this is quite interesting. So I think the pedal is slightly cheaper, about £250. The rack... 319 uh, I believe, is the rack. Of course, as you did allude to it, the uh, the Roland uh, new IRA modules do have a, a, a similar kind of idea. Obviously not, an open, not open source, but um, certainly in terms of the reprogrammability. And from all reports, everybody who's got those Roland things are absolutely raving about them. Now they're out in the wild. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, similar idea. They must, uh, <laughs> the uh, owl people must have been a bit gutted when Roland announced that. <laughs> that well, they, I mean, they've got the, they've got the, the ability to create a lovely iPad, iOS or um, OS front end that means that you just drag and drop and pull and pull catch patch cables mm-hmm. which makes things a lot a lot more straightforward and a lot easier to use mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. but uh, uh, yes I think it's something that you can pre-order now I think that you have to go to somewhere called Rebel Tech and check it out um, okay I think what we'll do now is we'll have a word from our sponsors what do you think sponsors pipe up Ooh. Ah, yes. 
Isotope and the Trash 2, of course. Distort in ways you've never dreamed of with the Trash module. 60-plus distortion algorithms, perfect for transforming your sound into something you've never heard before. You can design your own unique distortions, multiband from massive mild to everything in between with customizable multiband wave shaper. You can let your tracks inhabit any space with the new Convolve module. Choose from over 100 impulse resources or load impu- impulse responses, sorry, or load your own to put your bass in a washing machine or whatever. You find a new voice, make your audio speak and growl with re- two redesigned filter modules, each one featuring new valve form and filters, screaming peaks, node modulations and more. Start trashing your audio immediately with an extensive new preset library and an ear-friendly limiter that ensures you can play without fear. So as with all Isotope stuff, you could go to isotope.com forward slash trash2 and you get a 10-day download free demo uh, where you can try it out and see whether or not it's something that you would like to try out. It's definitely the sort of secret weapon of quite a lot of people and certainly Trash 1 was uh, was very highly regarded. So Trash 2 is going to be something even more special. Of course, we have been running a competition. Last week, we asked you to tweet out... Uh, what did we ask you to tweet out? Uh, Transform Audio and Trash 2 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And that was uh, gave us a winner. We have a winner. The chap is called Paul Meredith, and his Twitter handle is at Paulo the Drummer, which is uh, one word, at Paulo the Drummer. If you're listening or watching, please do get in touch, and we'll instruct the Isotope Ferry to deposit Trash 2 in your inbox so you can enjoy it fully free fully functioning so thanks for entering the competition of course uh, as with is is now becoming well traditional we are running another competition this week and what we're asking you to do you need to be on twitter again you need to tweet out the hashtag mashup audio and trash two two separate hashtags uh, mashup audio one word to at sonic state and at isotope inc uh, if i if you're watching the video version this is what you need to tweet but you can add additional comments we like to uh, encourage you to do that because we always like to see what you've got to say about the podcast and about isotope and i know they monitor it so please do do all of that stuff so once again uh Hashtag mashup audio, hashtag trash2 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And that's a Twitter thing. You'll need to be on Twitter to enter the competition. And we do thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. Thank you very much. Okay. So, yeah. Can I just talk about this thing before we move on? Oh, yes. I know people were interested. Because I've worked out how to make it work. <laughs> Excellent. So, this is an open source software project as well, but, it's, um, but there's hardware kits available. So, it, does much the same as oh, what Nomnicord does. You oh, press yeah. the button. And you get chords. Right, okay. And then you can strum it. Um, is it just like, a, does it output MIDI or has it got sound in it as well? No, it outputs MIDI. So you plug it in your MIDI stuff. You choose whatever sound you want from your computer. There's all different plates that go on the surface of it. So I can put... So on the front of it, there's a... Uh, there's that kind of strum panel, but that turns over, and there's sort of different ones like this, or oh, they're all like double-sided. So I've got six different ways of strumming it, which is quite nice. I don't know what that does because I haven't tried it yet. Wow. Um, makes, makes and honey. it's like 50, 50 bucks for the kit, and uh, I don't know, it just appeals to me because it, it's so, just another way of it's another way of thinking my way around that circle of fifths, which I'm not very good at doing. So, did you have to make it then? Is that what you did, or did you buy it? Ah, it? no. You see, this is, and this is why it fits in with the last topic, and that is that I bought it ready-made from somebody on eBay who's gone to the trouble of making it, 
um, which saves me from doing it, which means I can just plug it in and, and press the button and go, oh, that's a good chord, and that one follows that one quite nicely, and let's see where I can go with it, um, which uh, which I, I still, I mean, I've got various different iApps that are meant to do that, um, and I still haven't really got that whole, you know, making chords with by pressing one finger thing working in, on the iApp in the way I wanted it to. And I've always liked Omnichords, and I've always liked just pressing the buttons and going around because it's all just right there. And um, and has it got? Uh, is it is it mid- an iApp called Polychord, which is close, but this is better. Is it is it got a, a MIDI output or is it USB output? MIDI output. Okay. Right. So I've got to plug it into a MIDI interface, and it won't power my. I've got a MIDI. I've got one of these things. All right. MIDI solutions, MIDI through, and it won't power that for some reason. I so, guess it's, is it battery uh, powered? Yeah. Uh, that's probably yeah, just so not quite enough power. Doesn't have enough of a current coming down the the MIDI, but it plugs into a normal MIDI interface and works quite happily. So, ah. and then there's a button you can press on it which changes the mode from playing uh, piano-style linear chords to actually playing guitar chords, and that's really important oh, for me. Oh, changes the play, voicing, right? Oh, yeah, interesting. changes the voicing to guitar voicing, which I prefer because it 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 computes with my guitar player mentality. So. Um, that's, that's, that looks that's, pretty neat. I'll have to, we'll have to yeah. put a link in the show notes. Uh, speaking of yeah. Omnichords, uh, I was at WOMAD at the weekend. I went on Sunday, which is the World of Music and Dance. It's held at uh, Charlton Park. <clears throat> and I saw a band called The Staves, who um, they use an Omnichord. Uh, it's three sisters. I thought they were going to be from America because they have that kind of country harmony vibe. I've never heard anything quite so beautiful in my entire life. It was if you if if you want to check out some really beautiful uh, vocal harmonies, it's kind of rootsy, folky kind of stuff. But they were absolutely captivated. But they used an omnichord out of interest. And also uh, on the Bowers and Wilkins stand, they had a stage where they've got like a massively scaled up hi-fi, but in PA size, and they put kind of things that they want to have the full sound. There was a, a Moog um, modular, the big System 55, that's currently being curated in the UK that they're bringing people through just to have a look. I think, I guess it must be a Moog thing. Um, and they just basically had people, they had a, a sequence running and then people queued up to come and have a go on the other stuff and play along with it. It was, I think I posted something on Instagram for it before they uh, shut down my data connection because I was in a, a fairly crowded cell, I guess, on the uh, festival site. But really, really good stuff, actually. Um, but anyway, that's really neither here nor there. I just thought I'd mention it. Um, but if you get a chance, check out the staves. It's very beautiful vocal stuff. Uh, what's next? Ah, yes, here we go. Hi, I'm Michael from Audiobus. Michael Tyson. We have something new to show you today. It's a new app that we're calling Audiobus Remote, and it's a remote control for your Audiobus apps. We've realized that the multi-app workflow can get a little crowded. I mean, these devices are quite small and screen real estate is sort of in short supply. But we also realized a lot of us have a second device. You know, you'll have an iPhone or an older iPad, and we thought we could make use of that. Audiobus Remote runs on your second device over Bluetooth LE, which means it doesn't suffer from the same congestion problems as Wi-Fi. Setup is really easy. You just give it permission to use Bluetooth, and then you hold it near your other device that's running Audiobus. They'll pair straight away, and you'll see the apps that are currently running show up on the remote screen. 
Right, I won't play the whole thing, but this essentially allows you remote control of audio bus stuff. I mean, obviously, I mean, we haven't really been looking at iOS stuff recently, but uh, this is Mike, Mike, Michael Tyson is the guy behind. He's a really smart program. He also programmed Loopy. You know, he's done some re uh, really, really good stuff. I know, Gaz, you're probably itching to get on this one because uh, they've just oh, released it, I believe. Um, what do you make of it? Is, uh, does it have use? I mean, the iPad has been focusing less in my world recently just because I don't have a, a current <laughs> model. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, initially, I was quite excited about this until I realized that I couldn't run it on my iPad 2. So I've got an iPad Air and an iPad 2, uh, but I think it needs to be from an iPad 3 onwards to do with the Bluetooth LE requirement uh, of it. So you so, can't use your old one with your new one. That's a shame. Uh, yeah. So uh, that was initially a little bit of a, a sort of a, you know, um, it, it put me off it a little bit, but but in terms of the actual idea, I think it's a it's a super it's a super idea. I think it's got um, uh, you know in, for the for those of you who have used Audio Bus, you know it's got a very crisp and it's a beautiful design. I think uh, the stuff that Michael Tyson does tends to have beautiful. Uh, I know, and also actually, it's not just Michael Tyson. It's also uh, is it. Uh, Christian, or is it the old? There are, uh, yeah, the there are other people in the team. I, I, yes. Yeah, and that you know that, that's got a beautiful interface as well. So uh, the reason I mention that is that this looks like it's got that same very very direct, very simple way of um, operating, which which is lovely. I mean, Audio Bus was a quite a revolution when it came out uh, a couple of years back. You know, in terms of allowing you to just have this free-flowing routing of um, of your different apps but but as as they've quite rightly identified the the fact that the screen real estate is is quite cramped especially when you're trying to swap between different things so to, to, to have that running on another screen I think it's a very clever idea so they're also talking then about making this there's some new part of the audio bus um, API I think which allows uh, any app to have remote controls. Yeah, you can put hooks into it so using the same technology as AudioBus. That sort of principle, yeah. So that's quite interesting, isn't it, then? You know, you could have that, you know, you could have people interacting with certain... I, I don't know. You if know, you maybe had multiple it, clients, that could be interesting, couldn't it? Yeah. Mm, do we know about multiple clients? No, I don't know. And as I say, I'm I'm kind of rather bereft of anything that would uh, run this at the moment. But uh, I guess once once I get, oh, Corey, you were talking about having the iPad in your world. I mean, I'm guessing you're you're using that because you review iOS apps as well. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. interesting what he says about this screen size limitation, which kind of takes you back to the kind of well, surely a desktop would be better suited for some of this stuff than maybe. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great idea. It's a, definitely a good expansion of their product, right? Uh, um, I mean, I've done ever since I went to Mac. I've always been on laptops, right? So I've never really had larger screens, and and I saw so I had a 13 inch MacBook Pro, and then I went to a 15 inch, and then when I got an iPad, I used I can't think of the name of the stuff now, but there was some program that allowed me to have have my iPad on the side there. Um, just so I can, you know, pull up a plug-in while I'm using my DAW. So from that same perspective, this is where that piece shines. I mean, uh, like I said, I've been using uh, Aria on my iPad mini, and obviously it's an iPad mini, so obviously the screen real estate is super small. Um, and 
it's it, it's good to think that I could take another another like uh, maybe an iPhone would be too small, but another iPad or something to kind of extend that and just keep the other app that I'm using on another screen and be able to use it that way because it is kind of clunky to you know the screen swipes and I always get a little honestly a little like lifted like just kind of confused and just give up after a while like all right wait this app i have open let's make sure the audio is getting to the other app which app do i press record on and i forget about it i'm going back to hardware (laughs) you know so (laughs) it'll be nice to have something like that but then i mean you do have what's the price of entry right you got to have two of the latest ios devices maybe some people have that out there but um yeah, I'm not one of them. I got my iPad mini and that's pretty much it. So it depends on what you have, how convenient that's going to be. But it's a cool uh, expansion of the product. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave, I'm not, I, I know we've talked to you about the whole iOS kind of apps thing before and you're, uh, you know, you're, not, you're not really inhabiting that world yourself. But uh, it does rather, um, it's, it is rather a subset, shall we say, of the, uh, the iPad only's. I guess, you know, if you've got an iPhone 5 and something else, you might be able to do it because it needs 8 point... Let me see what the notes say. So you need 8.3 and an iPad 3 and up. I guess it might run on his phone. I'm not sure. Minimum, is it? I believe so. It's a shame, isn't it? Because if it went back... Do you remember that Steinberg program that allowed you to kind of do stuff on old computers? Remember, you could kind of hook your nice, new, modern, shiny computer up and then... Network them all up. Well, nodes, yeah, was it processing like, nodes? Yeah. I think Logic did that as well, didn't they? Logic did it as well. It's kind of what I thought when I saw this. I was like, oh, cool, you can use your old. And then I was like, oh, no, it doesn't appear that you can use your old. So, yeah, kind of counts me out. Ah, oh, well. Mark, any thoughts? I mean, it's sort of a screen, isn't it, that... <laughs> Yes, kind of, yeah. I mean, I suppose... Well, you... it's just, it's just, it just means that you can put some buttons somewhere else, right, other than on the screen that you're using, which is clever, but, you know... I wonder why I you mean, couldn't just use a MIDI... I... Go on. I wonder why you couldn't just use a MIDI controller for that functionality, you know, just hook that up. Well, okay, well, here's another thing. Why don't you use something like Team Viewer and then... Um, and and uh, drag a chunk of your... or have a chunk of your screen from, you know, your visual screen on the iPad. It seems like it's doing that. I mean, I chuckled, really, when he said it uses Bluetooth LE and you just put the devices next to each other and they talk to each other. And I was thinking, of all the Bluetooth things I've got in my house, I've never, ever had that as an experience with Bluetooth. I've always had, like, why is this thing not bloody working? Turn it <laughs> off. Turn it back on. Oh, oh no, 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 oh, no, that one's seen it now, but this one's not seen it. Why is this thing not bloody working? Turn it off. Turn it back on. And, I mean, even with the simplest of Bluetooth connections, I always find that's almost the worst uh, way of connecting devices in my house, and I've never really had any yeah. um, issues with Wi-Fi. So... Uh, you know, show me a, div- a really honestly show me a Bluetooth device that I can put next to another di- Bluetooth device, and they'll just go and talk to each other, and I'll be impressed. But so far, I've yet to see that with any of the things I've got. So, mm. um, and then and then once you've got it connected, they don't always reconnect the next time, and it uh, the, it seems to need to be rebooted more often than other things that I've got, and that might just be my bad luck, uh, and maybe this guy's found a way around that or. But it's not something I would. um, I'm not going to jump to Bluetooth as a way of 
of um, of controlling things just yet because because I've got other ways yeah. of doing it which I think I, are more efficient. I think I can concur that. I mean, maybe there's something about the new Bluetooth um, system that is more efficient. But you know, I bought a Bluetooth speaker in my house so that uh, my partner could just play music on the iPad and it would work. It never works. No matter how close you get to it, it always cuts out. It always there's a, it, it's never an efficient way. I said to Gina, like, we've got this thing. All you've got to do is call it up on your phone and, and you know, you'll Play. have your Bluetooth connection there. And she's like, can't I just have a wire that I can plug into the phone? I'm like, no, no, you don't want to do it like that. It's so cool to be able to walk around with it and you yeah. don't need to worry about the wire. Well, can't I just put my phone down there and just plug it in? Yeah. So in the back of our hi-fi, we've got, like, a 3.5-millimeter jack coming out. And she plugs it into her phone, and then she plays music. It works brilliantly. Yeah. No no messing around with all of that stuff. She's like, oh, that's your domain, all that, trying to make things talk to other things and shouting at them. Yeah. So, well, that's what happens to me, yeah. And I, 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 and I yeah, I think I'm just going to get a long wire. In fact, I probably want to. Sonos, yeah. Well, that's Wi-Fi. Yeah, Sonos is yeah. Wi-Fi, Oh, I'd isn't like it? to try Sonos. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. What's Sonos, it's a uh, pricey Wi-Fi speakers, but they do they they are good. They are, ex- <laughs> but they're good. From what I, I understand, it's like my modular. It's like my modular module habit. <laughs> How many have you I got? Just now? one more. Just one more, because you can say, "Oh, I want this to be a centre speaker," and then you can say, oh, "I want it to be a left," and then I can go and buy another right. So it does have a habit of yeah, audio crack again, isn't it? Yeah, same sort of deal everywhere. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that's that. I think it's available now, four ninety nine in the App Store, if that's your kind of thing and you've got those sort of things going on. Ah, this is, this is something I've been looking forward to as well. Just gives me an excuse to play the uh, Assault on Precinct, Precinct 13 John Carpenter theme, um, which, as we know, is a classic electronic uh, music soundtrack. Uh, and this really all came about because uh, we created a little bit of fun, which was rank your favourite synth movie soundtrack. I'll play. I'll, I'll put that there, and you can have a look. This was a. Uh, and we put in a bunch in there, and uh, interestingly enough, that I, 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 Blade Runner. What a bunch of pedestrians we are! Came to number one so far, 150 votes or so, but we got a whole bunch of them in there. And I just thought, you know, aside from uh, what's here, I, I know I probably missed a whole bunch of them. So I'm I'm looking for some cool soundtrack, uh, synthy electronic music type soundtrack suggestions. I'm going to start with you, Dave, because you have a load of synthesizers behind your head, and uh, I think that you have to uh, you have to put that that influence to good use. I don't know. I don't know. That was interesting, this list. In fact, from my perspective, I watched that. I'm going to annoy everybody because I'm going to call it Ex Machina because it's spelt like machine, not machina, like all the trendy people say. Um, I watched that the other night, and all the way through I was thinking, I didn't know that Jeff Barrow contributed to the sound design and the score. And all the way through I was going, this is bloody great. We need more soundtracks like this, and we need more sound design like this. So at the minute, that probably comes top. 11th in our list, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, as boring as it sounds, and what's strange is that I was never the biggest Frank Ellis fan back in the day. And yet, when I saw Blade Runner, I was in a slightly altered state, we could say. Often and the case of the time. Yeah, which, and it was just magnificent. <laughs> and 
then he wouldn't release that soundtrack, would he? There was a long period of no, time. No, that's right. It didn't come out like, until the 90s, did it? Or the late 80s? Yeah. We had, yeah, we had all these kind of strange copycat versions of it floating around. And I think that probably fueled this desire to kind of, I really want to go in here. And I've got like every cut of that film, you know, the director's cut, the super edition director's cut, the extra super duper edition director's cut. More high Brazil. Yeah, you know, that and Brazil and one other film are probably rank right up in my faves. But um, it's just there, and I watched it again recently, and there's that moment at the beginning where the CSA... I think what makes a really brilliant soundtrack is this perfect synergy of organic and synthetic, and I was given that as a brief by a certain Mr. Gabriel, actually, when I did that stuff with him. Uh confuse the listener as to whether it's synthetic or organic. So you've got that kind of little build-up at the beginning with the twinkly stuff and whatnot. And then the CS comes in as you see that pyramid in Blade Runner. Tyrell and it's Cooper. definitely... It's a goosebump moment, and it still is. It really is. Yeah. And being fortunate enough to own a CS, it's like... He really does make that instrument sing. It's a, it's, in a way, it's a kind of real travesty that... He doesn't still use it. In fact, there's that brilliant BBC documentary, wasn't it? Uh, it was like a BBC Four thing about how soundtracks, uh, the history of soundtracks in the movie. Because things like The Birds, for example, The Birds, that was yeah, yeah. the mixed tritonium and stuff like that with uh, Oscar Salo and whatnot. Um, you know, it's got this huge history and it was a brilliant programme. And then obviously when they went to interview Frank or Van, uh, they, uh, he wasn't using the CSA, and I was like, ah, anyway, yeah. No, so, sorry, I can't really add too much. Well, no, you I already... do like everything that Rick Smith does. I loved Sunshine, and I loved Trance, and I loved, uh, there was an Anthony Minghello thing that they did I loved, and it's obligatory that I plug everything he does anyway, so. <laughs> it's the law. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know whether or not that it, the same list would be compiled if it was done by uh, yourself or, you know, and, uh, and somebody from the other side of the pond, whether the same kind of things would, would get, I guess, most Hollywood movies are made, generally speaking, in the States. Is there anything that you kind of would say was a classic, Corey? You know, the thing that stands out in my mind is the Chariots of Fire thing. I mean, when you hear that, it's probably one of the most classic things or, or themes or songs or soundtracks that you could ever, I mean... I never even thought of it as any sort of electronic. I mean, pardon my ignorance, but until I saw the, the BBC documentary a little while back where it was, uh, I guess, the history of synths and soundtracks or movies yeah. or whatever it was, um, until I saw that and I saw the guy in there play, I was like, oh, okay, so it's, it's a synth of some sort, but it sounded so. But then that goes back to, you know, 80s or whenever it was, 70s. There's some point when... Um, the biggest thing about a synth was that people wanted to recreate acoustic instruments, right? So, um, but I mean, just the melody of that, it's the most familiar thing. But I think if I had to look at that list that you had, um, and I made a note, I really dig this uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. It's pretty dope. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I can listen to that over and over. Mr. Sakamoto. Nice. He's, well, he's again another person that's really good at orchestrating with synthesizers as well. It's interesting you mentioned Chariots of Fire. It means I can mention my gag about the uh, local taxi cab company that should be called Chariots of Hire, uh, which I think would be somebody's got to use. I've never seen it, and I really think, and they could have like that playing in the background on the hold music when you ring them up or <laughs> something like that. But um, interestingly, I went over to uh, some time back, I went to visit uh, Dickie Chapel, who's. Um, um, Gabriel's kind of studio guy. He's the guy who, uh, you know, runs the sessions and does all the techno- technology and the and uh, many other things besides. And he was saying that uh, allegedly the, um, the the soundtrack to Chariots of Hire, the whole sort of main theme, was just improvised on a piano on the first way through, and then it was added to after that by Vangelis. And he's obviously got something about him that enables him to capture what he's seeing emotionally and output it in a kind of relevant musical sense. And that obviously is a skill, whether you're using synths or not. Gaz? Hmm. <laughs> obviously, that, you, um... you should, well, <laughs> you're doing a soundtrack, but uh, it's not on there yet when it's released. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, so actually that that's interesting. Um, we're using lots of synths, as I mentioned last week, in that particular soundtrack, and uh, and there is something very gratifying, hands-on controls of a synthesizer and just morphing the sound whilst watching the image and trying to really kind of, you know, channel the emotion of what you're feeling from the imagery through the synthesizers. Um, so there's a lot of that going on uh, in our in our thing. So. Uh, so I think coming back to which, um, like Dave was mentioning about Ex Machina, uh, which is an awesome film. If you haven't seen it, make sure you, make sure you see it. Um, and this, what's quite nice about the soundtrack in that is I think that that's got a similar thing going on, that, that although there is music there, there is just a lot of just sound manipulation as the soundtrack. Um as opposed to, you know, like the Vangelis more orchestrated scores. Um, and I, I was wondering about other films which had that, uh, which had kind of more just, you know, synth manipulation. Texture, texture yeah. Uh, can you think of anything? Um, I think it, it doesn't the, uh, the stuff that um, Trent Reznor did in The Social Network have quite a lot of that, as well as his, you know, full-on kind of, you know, Trent thing. I'm fairly sure there's probably a bunch of that stuff in there. And I think, uh, not Inception, um, there was something else which I can't recall off the top of my head. But there, there are, I mean, th- there's also, what is it The Listener? What's the one with um, that sort of 70s classic film with the guy who does, he's an audio specialist and he has to put mics in. It's Gene Hackman and he's a real sort of nerdy guy and a lot of the soundtrack oh, to yeah. that is really quite sort of hard to listen to, but it's all made up of sort of room tone and ambient noise and stuff and it, that one i think that actually won an oscar for its uh soundtrack if i recall i should have put that in there but uh it, i guess it's it, it's not very synthy it's not it's not so musical perhaps but yeah there i think there i mean there obviously are lots and lots of them but by the very nature of it you tend to not remember because there's no there's no hook there's no melodic hook to hang your memory of it on i suppose so it's a different a different feeling of it i suppose I know, Mark, what do you think? What do I think? You haven't got any of mine on there. Ah, okay. What, ones you did or ones you like? Uh, no, ones I like. Oh, I'm, dear. I'm not, no, I don't think I'm arrogant enough to suggest that any of mine would have any chance in any moment of ending up on this list. But um, uh, no, I, 
so an obvious one. Well, if unless we, I'm just going to pick two. Okay, otherwise okay. I'll be here all day. So an obvious one which I think you've missed is the soundtrack from Diva, which is by Vladimir Cosma, and you will remember the bong piano piece from one of the adverts in the 80s. Um, but that's got also really lovely use of um, subtle kind of delay effects. And then the film itself has lots of kind of like synths doing warm kind of <laughs> and, and uh, a big kind of filter sweep things, which sounds to me like a JX-8P, I think. Um, and I just like it. It's really atmospheric and really just... Uh, really well thought out and subtle and not like it's not like big overkill kind of synth stuff but it's like um, kind of use of synthesizers exactly that but use of synthesizers to support uh, opera and classical more classical sounds so that's my film nomination okay and then for television I don't know if anybody, um, and probably the Americans won't have seen this, but in Britain there's a TV series called Utopia, and the music for that is just absolutely, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I'm it's on the search. Outstanding. And that's by yeah. a guy called Cristobal Tapia de Vere, and I probably pronounced that completely wrong. Um, and, and the moment I yep. realised that, that right. that soundtrack was available, I bought that soundtrack and I listened to it because it's... It's so clever. It's so clever. I wish I'd done it myself. Brilliant. Yeah, it's oh, brilliant. yeah. Wow, okay. This is really interesting. Mm. It's got lots of kind of found sounds, vocal sounds and snippets. Mm. It's had half a million hits on YouTube, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably... <laughs> I mean, I, I think the thing that he's done, which nobody would ever do because you just think it wasn't the right thing to do, but he just, just seems to have naturally done it, is he sampled bits of the dialogue and then spat them back into the music in really interesting ways. So you hear the characters' lines from the, the TV series coming back in through the music, and you think, whoa, okay. Uh, it's, it sort of seems like it wouldn't work to do it, but because the music's very kind of bits dream and sampled and cut up and... Uh, and uh, kind of uh, glitchy for want of a better word it works really well works Excellent. really well well thanks for that I'm going to have to check out the Utopia soundtrack that looks really really good well, you uh, should, if you haven't watched the series I highly recommend you watch the series because it's very surreal and really brilliant actually okay we'll definitely check that out um, I'm going to finish on the, I've got time probably for one more topic and I think it's going to be this uh, it would be if it would play Maybe I didn't put it in there. Oh, here we go. Synthesized sounds and imaginary worlds have inspired musicians worldwide for nearly a century. Bizarre. In the 1970s, the electronic drum machine found its in the public mind. And by the early 80s, electronic like a cross between Carl Sagan and some kind of shampoo ad. <laughs> this is, uh, is the new eight-channel soft tube heartbeat synth that pays homage to this pursuit of exciting percussive sounds by electronic means. However, soft tube heartbeat also takes this legacy to another level by adding new creative ingredients. Here's Christopher and Oscar. That looks like a, that looked like a Valley People Keepex uh, gate. <laughs> uh, little, I'm, I'm getting. Uh, 
Corey, have you had a chance to check this out? I mean, guessing beats, you know, I mean, B-Boy Tech Report from a beat maker's point of view. I'm sorry if that seems kind of completely obvious that you might have heard of it or come across it. But uh, have you? And if so, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I've I've checked it out. I mean, I haven't used it, but I've checked it out. But, you know, i got to say there are so many drum machines and so many software programs that are emulating classic drum machines. And then now, I mean, obviously Roland even reintroduced their their uh 808 and 909 or whatever it is but so long story short no i haven't checked it out personally but i think it's uh i mean it's cool it's almost like it's the obligatory plug-in that you have to design if you're in that market i guess right kind of hey there's a market share i may as well get a piece of it but i guess when you're doing something like that i'd like to see um what makes it different? What makes it stand out? And obviously that doesn't use samples, it's drum synthesis. And it has a couple of different things. I guess it has some special effects or something called auto machine or something. Yeah, well, I think um, it automates layering and um, um, a kind of auto layer machine comes in, which uh, let me see what that says. It says has four channels that can be used to layer sounds or trigger a chain of events and can be used to create new sound textures or create automatic fill patterns in up to four steps. That's the kind of thing that we're going for. So it's got a little bit of extra, I guess, AI yeah. or whatever it may be in there. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that it almost feels like with all of this hardware that's coming out, the notion of kind of doing things in software feels somehow quite retro, in, even though obviously it's not. It's really cutting edge. It's quite curious, isn't true. it? It's quite odd, that. Um, Dave, you've got some actual drum machines. I mean, before that, I know you're a big fan of Stylus RMX, which has, in many ways, some similarities because of the level of design and stuff that you can do. I mean, obviously, that's design more perhaps for real drums but if you're not using a drum machine you know in in a physical one in you where you are what is it you're using for those kind of electronic sounds if i'm not using a a real drum machine a real drum machine real drum machine uh a drum kit (laughs) (laughs) i've done done a deal at uh I can't say who it is because it's somebody kind of mega famous, but um, I've just done a deal with this local guy who's got a studio and he has a drum kit. He is a drummer and he has a drum kit permanently set up, beautifully mic'd. And so we've swapped days. So it's like I can go into his room and just reposition a few drums and record myself playing all day well in fact we've we've done a two days trade and then he's going to come in here and the only disadvantage is of course is that he has to sit in the control room and record my drum playing which as a drummer as a proper professional very high-end drummer i'd imagine that's going to be pretty painful for him and then vice versa (laughs) i've got to be in this room to set up the sounds that anyway it's going to be really interesting i'm I'm definitely looking forward to it because sitting there actually getting that kind of feedback from air moving when you hit those skins is totally different to anything. Anyway, that's completely by the by. Softshoe uh, makes some pretty cool stuff though, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I like like their like their stuff. This is this does look interesting. Like Corey said, there's a lot of stuff out there. I've just kind of found that for me RX uh, RMX is really it's just very musical, you know, all of their stuff is just really musical and yeah. You can use it. I'll tell you what I really like is the fact that you can um, pull MIDI files out of it. So you can get these grooves where obviously everything's sliced. 
and then you find this groove that just works with the pattern that you've created and then you just pull it out and put it on your timeline and it's just MIDI and you can speed it up and slow it down and do all sorts of things. That's uh, true. That's what I've always loved about it. I don't see anything along those lines in here, but I imagine that's the sort of thing that you might see in a later revision. Uh, it's really, uh, th I was right, actually. There is the Valley People Dynamite, which was a little, they used to call them, they used to come in like plastic boxes and they're really kind of like, like vicious compressors. They really choke the sound. They've got a very strong sound. And the Valley People, I think they did Keypex gates and, uh, as I say, the Dynamite compressors. So they've modelled that. And that's quite a little known thing, but you used to see it quite a lot in the studios in the, late 80s early 90s um but i think when everybody got into the idea of compression that was a bit more kind of organic and sounding that they, they, they kind of lost favor a bit but they definitely have a place i guess they might be similar in ways to the db160 which you can really kind of you know mess up mark drum machines plugins well yeah but what does this thing do that's different? Because they say they're taking it to a whole new level, and I don't really see it. I mean, it does remind me a little bit enough, of a. Of a haven't we got enough drum machine plugins? I don't know. I've well, clearly seen, not. I, I have. I definitely. <laughs> I mean, since <laughs> since the advent of Rebirth, I think re, because before we were all like Z. Um, Z900s? No, that's a motorbike. S900s. So I start off in an S900. I sample all the drums I want to hear. I put them all on different keys. That was a revelation to me. It got me away from this box, and suddenly I'd got more control over things. I could paint in my notes, and I could control stuff. Um, and then when... Except you couldn't change the sound once you'd sampled it. So when Rebirth 338, that thing came out, which was a 909, an 808, and two 303s, and then I could turn knobs and make the sounds change roughly the same as they did on a real 909. That was kind of like, wow, this thing's so cool. But ever since that's come out, people have just been copying it. So this, because of the graphic, I suppose, I'm instantly drawn to thinking about Rebirth. And I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, what does it do that's different? And the only thing I can see, it says, because heartbeat is more than a machine, it's a living thing with a mind of its own. And then I'm like thinking, and no offence to any drummers, this is why we started using drum machines in the first place, because <laughs> the living thing with a mind of its own was lying on the floor of the dressing room and it had just drunk a bottle of vodka. And we'd be like, we're on stage in 30 minutes, come on, wake up! And slap it, slapping it round the face. And... And and actually, the particular drummer I was in a band with, I'm amazed he's still alive, actually, but he is. He's, uh, and he's still, you know, when I bump into him at events, he's usually, like, standing there with a bottle of something and it doesn't fall over as often, but, you know. That's the experience so, for you. That's experience. So does it do that? Does it fall? I don't know. That would be an interesting notion, wouldn't it? You could uh, introduce just crashes, an, just dial up the number of alcohol units that the uh, that the virtual drummer has had and see what happens. Just call it groove. Groove. Swing. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> Swing. Your beats to unexpected the places. knob will be called hammered. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Good concept. I don't know, Gaz, uh, what do you think? You, I, I mean, I don't know how you create your beats necessarily, but is there room in your life? I mean, we, as we know, I mean, we, soft tube stuff, some of their plugins do sound extremely nice. So there is. They do. So I'm thinking that that's the killer feature of this is going to be the, the sound it's just going to sound great all soft tube stuff sounds great it really sounds it's got like a 
tangible thickness to the sound, all the soft tube stuff I've ever used, I'm really impressed with. So, you know, I think, okay, it might not be the absolute um, most original thing we've ever seen. I mean, I'm certainly interested in the chaos aspects of it. You know, I love the idea that the, the chaos, I'm sure, you know, is going to put weird fills and chaos elements into it, which, um, those kind of things are always quite interesting. Um, but I just know that I just know it would sound really, really good. And I know that, you know, once you'd get using it, it would probably put to shame a lot of other things there out there. So I'd imagine. Oh, I mean, this is the chaos. I'm guessing that's changing the sound in real time. Hard to tell. It's quite hard to get past the, uh, you know, the banging techno aspect, which, you know, we've, we've all mm. heard that before, I suppose, in many ways. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I something would be amazing, wouldn't it? A Beatstep Pro plugged into that. That would be a great combo, I think, you know, because the Beatstep Pro has got this quite cool drum layering mode. So I'd imagine, you know, you'd have, you know, that would give like, I don't know, Machine or, or Artorias Spark a good run for its money then, I think. Um, but, I, you know, looks nice, though. I do think it looks nice. It, it's very... It does the, look very reason-like, doesn't it? It's got. A... It does look like it does look reason-like, yeah. But I do think the layout is lovely. Is it a, a rack extension of it as well? Is that is it on the on the cards? I sure. don't know. Let me have a look. This is what it looks like. If I so, oh, that's not what it looks like. It's this that it looks like. It doesn't look like mm. trash. Uh, so yeah, it, it has that aspect to it. But uh, I, I couldn't say. Uh, we actually have. Uh, we've got someone looking at it. Um, I think over the next couple of weeks. So hopefully, we'll have a bit more of an in-depth review. We can kind of take mm. it, take it into the uh, into that zone, see where it goes. But uh, I think it's two hundred nineteen bucks. Comes in all the usual uh, with all the usual um, what VST, VST three audio units and AA. AAX native, so you get all of those as with a lot of this stuff, and it doesn't require a dongle, which I know some of the other SoftTube products have had, so that's got to be a good thing in many ways. Hooray! Hooray, <laughs> yeah, everybody's is pleased. There's look, there's well, yeah. there's, I wouldn't say they're all smiling, but you know, they're not as disappointed, <laughs> they don't look as down as usual. Oh. <laughs> uh. Right. Dongles the drag. Dongles the drag. Right. Well, I think uh, that probably brings us to the end of our little conversation. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. And also thank you to uh, Isotope for sponsoring the show. I'll get that out of the way now. Remember, if you want to uh, enter the competition, get on Twitter. Tweet the hashtag MashupAudio, one word, and trash, hashtag Trash2, with a two on the end, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. with a Z. Uh, and also add some extra comments, and you could win a copy of Trash2. But for now, uh, we're going to call it a day. We're going to say goodbye to all our um, attendees. We'll say, Gaz, thank you very much for joining us uh, with your lovely, is that a Fender Jazzmaster? Uh, Headstock? Fender Jazz. Fender Jazz. Yeah, I just, because um, this one is the one that's got the... Uh uh it's got the oh, US, the hex it's got the mini. yeah so um i'm uh using this for a project at the moment so i'm just back into the old uh programming realm again um but uh yeah having uh i've decided i'm going to use it for the holy mountain soundtrack now so um one thing that's quite nice is um because there's buttons on the control here uh I can I can advance through patches just by pressing the buttons and um, that makes things yeah. a little easier, I'd imagine. Yeah, 
Yeah, it does. I mean, cause... Unless you miss it, and then you've got to go all the way around again. No, no, because you can go up and down, so ah, right. it's, it's easy. But uh, it, it, I've got it switching in banks now, so the banks are uh, in banks of three. So on the GR55 on the floor, I've got... So each for each song, I've got three patches, um, sort of. So it's quite nice. I'm just uh, I'm just getting all that set up at the moment, because like with this particular show, I'm playing all these different. You know, I'm playing theremin and I'm playing synth and I'm playing various other. Well, and and two synths as well. And I was using my big pedal board with, and having to just go on my hands and knees and change patches uh, a lot. Yeah. So uh, by putting it back into the GR55, that's going to save me some job. Because we've just got 37 cues, I think, of different... Wow. You know, so well, what was that new thing you talked about a couple of weeks ago? Another GR thing, a Roland GR thing that doesn't need a... Ah, uh, 300, extra. polyphonic... It's, it's yes. the, boss, the Boss SY300. Yes. Yeah. Has uh, anyone tried that yet? Not yet. Uh, it's supposed to have a uh, a single wire to take the audio from the jack and can apparently yeah. extract and perform polyphonically, though no demos really. And MIDI, right? It can spit MIDI out or not? Yes, I believe so. But uh, nobody's really seen a, a convincing example of polyphonic operation of that just yet. <laughs> but... Uh, okay. um, I, I, I'm sure if we give it uh, give it, uh, it in the right hands, it will probably uh, do what it needs to do. But, well, yeah. I'm, I want to have one, so in, in my wrong hands, it needs to do what it's supposed to do as well. Ah, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, that brings me nicely to uh, to you, Mark, because uh, I ah, want to say thank you very welcome. much for joining us this week as well. And, you're uh, very your welcome. Um, so uh, you're very welcome. I'm going to go and write some songs with Le Strum now. Yeah, good plan. I, I think I'm... I'm only uh, I've only got major chords, minor chords, and sevenths. Though I suppose that's enough, isn't it? To yeah. write a song. It's getting dangerously jazzy there. Mark. I've got all twelve of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, have fun, and once again, yes, thank you very much for joining us. And also, Mr. Dave Spears over there in uh, Spearsland in GeForce HQ with the uh, you can see his qualifications right behind him, right there. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Dave, I, I'm sure you've got many things to be getting on with by the sounds of things. I'm still in research mode. No, ah. I'm in janitor mode at the minute. Uh, and then, yeah, if I get everything kind of cleaned up and nicely tidy, then gotcha. next week I can move into even more experimental mode. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. Painful. Yeah. yeah, but it could be a What's wasted month's work. Noise? I think it's your mic, Dave, on your shirt. On my shirt? Oh, somebody's might. Oh, maybe it's not. Anyway, thank you, Dave, for joining us. I uh, hope to see you okay. again soon. It's been a pleasure having you aboard. And, of course, finally, uh, Cory Banks, B-Boy Tech Report. Thank you so much for joining us. I know because you're on the West Coast. This is this is like a dawn raid for you in, in good old-fashioned hip-hop speak. The uh, <laughs> uh, Thank you very much for joining us, Cory. Uh, we hope to have you on again soon. And is it, what's coming up on your site that people should be looking out for? Um, well, you're actually my anniversary of the site. I think this is my third year anniversary coming up in August. So planning a couple fun things, maybe a contest or so, and then um gonna be starting to put together maybe a Bream volume two right. later this year. Um so you know, just kinda working on those kinds of things and, and uh also we we talked about the T shirts. So I got those out there and I'm gonna be doing like maybe a special edition once or twice a year, a couple times a year, see how it ramps up. So Excellent. So you'll be getting into B Boy uh, uh apparel. 
You'll be opening. Right. You'll be opening a store in Santa Monica before you know it. That's right. <laughs> right, right next to all the rest of the other 500 of them, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> right there. Perfect, Mark. Uh, anyway, thank you very much, Corey. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. And once again, we say thank you very much for our sponsors. And keep watching. Uh, we've got a couple of things coming up. I've got uh, the Boomstar modules, which I've got uh, ready to uh publish uh, soon we've also got part two of the jdxa i know people have been asking in the chat room what happened to that i have reviewed it i'm just sending it out i'm just sending it back to roland just so that i can verify that perhaps some of the things that i didn't like about it are true rather than um me not operating it properly that's all i will say now but anyway that's it thanks for watching sonic talk uh, number 413 is finished we'll fade to black and see you next time